The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week we will preview the upcoming match versus the San Jose Earthquakes after a week off for the international break. We're going to answer a lot of listener questions, as many as we can get through. And then we also have a very special interview with one Felipe Martins, Austin FC midfielder. Uh, I cannot wait for you all to hear this. He is uh, an amazing person. We We thought this was going to be a good and fun interview, and he just like surpassed all expectations we had so we can't wait to get to that my name is Landon Cottom and I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley hey everybody I'm Jeremiah Bentley and I look forward to hearing your editing of that Landon because I did that for my car on a work (laughs) trip and about two-thirds of the way through the interview like my iPhone overheated and I suddenly disappeared from the zoom so hopefully it still sounds somewhat sensible when we get to the final edit yeah, we were getting close to the end of it anyway. I think I may have accidentally skipped the last question that you were supposed to ask. But uh, aside from that, it just seems like you're really rude and didn't say goodbye to Felipe. <laughs> okay, oh, that's good. <laughs> Which means I should probably watch out given his reputation uh, for kind of being a troublemaker. Yes, exactly. Um, So you are going to take a trip soon to Portugal. Is that right? I am. And so I was asking some of my coworkers who speak Portuguese how to say Felipe's name. And they told me how I was supposed to say it, but then Felipe said it a different way. <laughs> and I'm going to Portugal in a couple of weeks. And so that whole ordeal kind of motivated me to start learning some Portuguese. So I, I fired up the old Duolingo and I'm trying to learn some basic Portuguese for that trip. That's pretty exciting. I'm a you know, huge Duolingo advocate. I just hit the 100-day streak on Duolingo Ooh. Spanish, which I'm really excited about. And just like every single topic in the world, there's a weirdly committed Los Verdes Slack community to, <laughs> to Duolingo and Duolingo-related topics, including... I, I, there may I'm sure there are probably Duolingo-related emojis that go along with it, so I would encourage you to check that out if you haven't already. But you know, I've learned a lot about eating apples. Um, I really feel like a bet comes up. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to have that covered the next time I'm talking to people in Spanish. El and... cachorro come una masa. See, I love it. So I said your, the, 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 dog eats, the dog eats the apple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you could, So maybe the next interview with Felipe can be in Portuguese. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, that was, what did he say? That's like one of what, five languages he knows? Yeah, five. And he ranked English... Uh, I think in third or fourth tied with Spanish. And he's pretty darn good at all of them, I would imagine, which is really cool. He he ranked Italian two, which I believe his wife is Italian. So that makes sense. Uh, But yeah, I'm, I'm super jealous of, of his language abilities. It's probably, it's probably pretty smart of him to do that. So, well, let's get into a little bit of uh, Austin FC news. We'll talk about the U S open cup, which we talked a little bit about last week and, as is tradition, I think like the day after or two days after we <laughs> covered it on the show, the details came out about Austin FC's participation in the U.S. Open Cup, which started last weekend, I believe, right? With a semi-pro, like lower level, sort of amateur amateur teams. And um, Austin will enter on April 19th to 21st is when the third round matches start, which is when the MLS teams get in. So what else do we know about this year's U.S. Open Cup? So yeah, the U.S. Open Cup, it's a single elimination knockout tournament. 
Uh, it features 103 professional, semi-professional, and amateur teams that compete for the uh, the tournament championship. And the winner also receives an automatic berth to the CONCACAF Champions League. So there is a pretty decent reward there. I think there's some some cash reward and, and, a, and a nice trophy as well. But um, Austin FC actually has some some folks who are experienced in this tournament, don't they? Yeah, they did. So Josh Wolf, three times as a player, won the U.S. Open Cup in 98, 2000, and 2004. Um, in 2004, Dave Arnaud was part of the same team which lifted the the Kansas City Wizards back in the olden days before they became oh, yeah. sporting. And I guess when they were, it's probably when they were playing at Arrowhead, right? Would have been uh, around that time. Uh, yeah, yeah. They didn't have uh, the other the other stadium yet. And then also Maxi Garuti, unsurprisingly, because I feel like he's been on every team in the league. So just <laughs> I feel feel like just through the process of elimination, he would have eventually ended up winning one in 2016. He scored twice for Dallas, uh, and they, they won the Cup too. So there's a little bit of history among the coaching staff and players with uh, U.S. Open Cup title winners. So maybe that'll be, I think this is in the questions on Twitter, you know, is there a potential that maybe we'll care a little bit more about it because Josh Wolf has a history? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out our opinions on that later on. So let's talk yeah. about, let's talk about what happens in Austin or not in Austin because the team's been communicating about a match at Q2 that may or may not happen. Is that the most accurate description? Yeah, it's a little bit confusing the way they're going about this, but they're essentially selling tickets already or about to start selling tickets for a game that might not actually exist. The reason being, so uh, yeah, key dates here is uh, April 8th is going to be the third round draw. There's going to be one more round of matches before yeah before that and so the draw will essentially they'll, they'll kind of take regions into consideration for that draw and so there are three texas teams i believe um in contention right now so el paso uh RG san antonio and rgv are yeah, those RGV's three usl the other teams one. yeah so if those three teams win or any of those three teams win um, I think there's a decent chance Austin will play against one of them. If they don't, then they'll just kind of like whoever's closest that won. So it could be like an Oklahoma team or a New Mexico team. I'm not entirely sure of, of how they chop up those regions. But on April 8th, they'll do that draw. We'll find out who the opponent is. But then they also do a coin toss, essentially, to fig to, to decide where they play. And so if the, say, the USL team doesn't want to host or doesn't think they can host, then they'll just say, like, we don't want to host, we'll play wherever else. But if both teams want to host, I think they essentially flip a coin. So um, although Austin FC is selling tickets to that game on April 19th to April 21st, we don't know what day the game will be on, and we don't know who we're playing, and we don't know if it's actually going to be here. But we do know if you're a season ticket holder, and if and it is in Austin, that that is going to be included as part of your season ticket package. So that will be a nice little bonus there if it comes to pass. I don't know. I mean, I, I although I kind of love, you know, the beauty of the cup is like big teams playing in 2000 seat, like cow pasture. So, I mean, I, I would like an extra game, but like just the neutral observer part of me would, would mind us seeing going, see us going on the road to us outside. 
Yeah, like especially, I think we mentioned this on the last show, but playing in San Antonio would be ideal, right? Like we could make that trip pretty easily. Uh, we could probably take a pretty big group. But if it's like a Wednesday night in El Paso or down in the valley, like that's that's a rough trip on a weeknight. Yeah, that's very and so true. And I'm we know not sure what kind of crowd it's gonna it's gonna have. Yeah, that's true. And we do know it'll be on a weeknight because he's. I don't know if they are all midweek. They're pretty much all midweek games, right? All I the think way through. Almost all of them are the whole time because it's during the season the whole time. So I, I don't think there would be any weekend games for this. Yeah. So get ready to maybe lose some sleep, regardless of where we play, and check out a midweek game. Yeah, but I, the the rounds work that way throughout, though, right? Like they'll do essentially a coin toss to decide where the game is going to be played. That's right. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Every round through there's, you know, the third round, if we win, they'll have to, I guess, cause of the geographic thing, they probably reseed and then draw for fourth round. Um, then once you get into the, like the round of 16, it becomes a little more predictable. Uh, just like a standard tournament where you have a 16 and quarter final draw, then a semifinal and final draw. So at least you draw for a couple games at a time there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll be on the watch for kind of that next round to see if any of those Texas team wins, but then the next main date for Austin FC fans to look out for is that April 8th date. We'll have pretty much all the details at that point. And I think like we talked about last week, it'll be really interesting to see who plays. Um, and hopefully we'll, you know, hopefully it'll be a fun tournament. We'll get to see some guys we don't see a lot out of now and maybe they'll get the chance to develop, um, maybe get a little chemistry among each other. Maybe somebody will emerge as deserving more playing time after performing well in the U S open cup. Uh, all right. Any other open cup stuff or should we move on to the San Jose preview? I think let's talk about San Jose for a bit now. All right. You want to give us our, our weekly history lesson here? Uh, I will. So San Jose was one of the original, the San Jose clash for one of the original MLS franchises. Uh, but then they, won MLS Cups in 20, 2001 and 2003. They had uh, Landon Donovan was a kind of a longtime San Jose guy. Is that right? Uh, he was there for a few years, yeah, before he went to... Before um, he did his, his European experiment? Yeah, went to Europe and then came back and played for the Galaxy, which was seen as somewhat of a betrayal for, for going to the California rival. Yeah, I get I get that. So they But they moved to Houston, I think it's after the 2006 season, after winning those Cups... Um, and then returned to the league in 2008 under their current um, franchise. So I don't know if they actually count as like an original, like an original club or not, since they had, since they were out for a while. It is separate ownership. Um, so there, I don't believe there's any ties to like the original name or the original team. And so like maybe spiritually this, the city of San Jose is an original city, but I don't know that you could count the club, especially given that they didn't play for so long um, as being an original club. But I want to say it doesn't stop them from having San Jose 1974 in their club badge, which actually goes way back to like the first, I don't even know what that was. I guess it was probably like an ASL team. I think I don't I did not even know that that was there. I've never yeah. noticed that. <laughs> yeah. The badge says quakes and right underneath it, it says San Jose 1974. So it's 47 years of history under like half a dozen different names, but it's fine. They'll, they'll claim it all. Um, the, uh, the other thing when going back through the history is they've been pretty bad for a long time. I think 2012 was the last time they had a like a contending season. You know, they I think they made the playoffs maybe. Maybe in 2020 or yeah. 
What was the weird COVID year where basically everybody in the league made the playoffs? They made the playoffs that year, but they have not been very good since. Um, 2021, they finished 10th in the West. Chris Wondolowski led the team. The ageless Chris Wondolowski led the team in scoring again with nine goals. And so the other thing that I noticed was that over the last like eight years, only one person other than Chris Wondolowski has led San Jose in goals. And can you name that person? Oh, let's see. Yes, I bet it was Danny Hoosen. It was Danny Hoosen. They, he Danny. scored like 12 goals one season. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the only time in the last eight seasons that, that Wando wasn't the leading scorer was was Danny Hoosen's biggest year. So you got that one right. So, yep, led him to scoring nine. You know, they were the first ever opponent at Q2 Stadium, played a nil-nil draw there. And then we played a rather chippy second match in Austin in September, which we talked with um, Brad Stuver about. That was the one where we had the uh, elbow into the elbow into the guy. I don't remember who it was now, but it was uh, maybe uh, Christian Espinosa. Maybe there's a little bit of rivalry de- developing there now. And then yeah, I think it, that would be that would be a fun team to have, like kind of that that spicy spicy rivalry with. They kind of embody chaos, which I think we'll get into here in a second. Yeah. But, so uh, I was going to yeah, say it, it would be interesting to see if there's like any holdover from that. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about them embracing chaos, the Matias Almeida experiment, and like that style of play, and what we know about San Jose today. Yeah, so they Wando's gone, retired. Um, it looked like for a while, like their off-season transactions were a little bit slow, uh, but then they're a little bit later on. They brought in Jamiro Montero from. Uh, Philadelphia, Jan Gregus from Minnesota, Francisco Calvo, who was at Chicago, a free agent center back. Uh, and then they brought in Jeremy Obovese last year. So they have some talented players, plus um, Jackson Ewell, who's a good midfielder, not playing midfield for them right now, but good midfielder. Uh, Natan, who's a really good, really exciting center back who got injured in the first game. So he's actually not been playing, but they do have some really talented players on the team but just play in such a bizarre way that um, I, I added this this little clip into the notes, but this was from the MLS uh, power rankings the first week, which I believe uh, Sam Jones writes the little blurbs for those. He doesn't pick the, the order, but he writes the blurbs. And for his, after week one, his little blurb for San Jose was just a single sentence. And it said, I'm just not sure soccer is this complicated. It's a perfect description. <laughs> Which has stuck with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've kind of moved formations around. Uh, they've played kind of a, a basic 4-2-3-1 some this season, but they've also played like a 3-6-1 at times this season with like Cade Cal as a wing back and like, doing some really bizarre stuff. And then we talked about this last year, the whole man marking thing where they just like chase guys all over the field. Um, it's really bizarre. And like Sam Jones says, I don't know that it needs to be that complicated. They end up uh, it just really hectic, chaotic games. They're on the wrong end of most, uh, not most, but a lot of important stats uh, in the four games so far. So they're towards the bottom of the league in shots created they're towards the bottom of the league in shots allowed as as like meaning like they've given up more than almost anybody um but they are 
I think this is a Matt Doyle stat that I read in one article he wrote, but I think they're among the top of the league in uh, transition expected goals. So like expected goals coming from transition moments. They're not scoring those goals because they've only scored four goals all season so far. And I think three of them were in the same game maybe. But yeah, they, they are like I said, with these talented players and some some pretty speedy players, depending on who, who's on the field, they are pretty dangerous in transition. Yeah, I forgot. your Cade Cowell referenced that. I played him like the first two weeks in MLS Fantasy thinking I was going to get something out of him, and that was really kind of stupid. Cause... Well, yeah, he was really cheap in <laughs> Fantasy. And yeah. like they were playing him as a striker a lot, and then on the wing sometimes um, last season. But yeah, this year they're just not... I don't know that it's smart to play any... Any San, San Jose players? Fantasy. I forgot about the other player that has San Jose experience. Forget Andrew Tarbell spent a year as a starting keeper in San Jose too. I think. Oh, I I forgot all about that. Yeah, it might have been the same. It was 2018. So I don't remember if that was the same year that Houston led the team in goal scoring. But we've got we've got a few player connections there. So what do we expect from Austin out of this game? Like, given the way San Jose plays, how how do you expect to see us line up? Like. Do you think there's anything tactically we would do different from just our standard approach? Or do you think we just kind of roll out our best 11 and hopefully we're the better team on that day? I think really we just need to, yeah, like like you said, just put out the best team, play our game. And Wolf Wolf says that in press conferences a lot, right? Like when asked about like, what are you going to do to prepare for this, this team? Often his answer is like, we're going to focus on us and like, playing our game we, we don't want to change our game based on who we're playing we want to make sure our game is as good as it can be and I don't think that's entirely um I think there's some, like there's some coaches who would say that just to make them sound themselves sound smart I think Wolf means it uh he's as we saw last year he's dedicated to his his style and his game plan even when it's not working um this year it is working fairly well, and so I don't know that they should try to change a lot. And although this this San Jose team is a lot different from the last two teams we played in Portland and Seattle, I think the approach should be fairly similar. Just we need to be disciplined. We we can't get pulled into playing San Jose's chaos game. Um, we need to be careful in transition. We need to be disciplined in our positioning in those moments and uh, be really quick to kind of try to break down those transition moments which although like i said it's it's not the same team as the last two weeks but the dangerous moments are going to come from similar similar moments so yeah i I don't think austin should really change their approach they just need to be careful in in those really specific moments of the game well the the thing we have going for us there's no nothing to do other than to roll out our best 11 right we've had a week off everybody's healthy as far as we know um we should be able to to make to put our best effort out there and we should be a better team than San Jose. Like this is a little bit of a barometer game, I think too, in terms of, you know, they're a bad team and we're at home and we should beat bad teams at home without a lot of trouble. If we've really advanced this year in the way that a lot of people think we have. So this, this should be our, our game to win. I I, I think you're right. Like I, I'm not quick to put a lot of weight on any one game throughout a season, but given the last two weeks where we got a slightly disappointing result in Portland, uh, a disappointing result at home with Seattle, even though 
drawing the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league is on paper not that disappointing. The way that game played out, it felt disappointing. And so if we were to come out of those two games and then lose to San Jose on the road, uh, that like that hurts. And so if you if you just say, okay, you you lose one game to San Jose, like on their day, San Jose has shown over the last few years, they can beat anybody on a, on a given day. Um, but yeah, just in the context of the last few games, I think Austin FC needs to, to win this game, to make a statement, to say like, we are a good team this year. Yeah, I agree. If we're going to have any kind of hope of competing for the playoffs, this is the kind of game that we just have to win. Yeah. All right. You want to go ahead and take a break? And then we've got a ton of listen. Every time we go to Twitter, like I get worried for a few minutes that nobody's going to ask any questions, and then we always end up getting more than we can possibly deal with. So we can probably take this break and then get to as many possible as we can before we do the Felipe interview. Yeah, let's do it. All right, hang tight. We'll be right back. Austin's newest spot to enjoy food, fun, and football is now open. The Pitch, located next to Austin FC's training facility at 13,000 Harris Ridge Boulevard, has a little something for every fan. You can order from four different kitchens with unique cuisines serving locally sourced food as well as a selection of local beer and craft cocktails. Or just settle down in front of one of their 35 big screen TVs to watch Austin FC when they're on the road. They're open 11 to 8, Tuesday through Saturday, and be sure to check out their website, thepitchaustin.com or their social media pages for additional uh, watch parties and events and things like that. You can get a 10% discount by entering the word GOAL, that's G-O-A-L, in the promo code field in the mobile ordering app on your next visit. All right, Landon, let's talk about hot sauce. Let's do it. Teardrop Pepper Company has finally created the perfect recipe right here in Austin, Texas. Their all-natural, award-winning hot sauce has a delicious blend of flavor and heat, enhancing your favorite foods and leaving you wanting more. Whether you like the zesty kick of Golden Habanero or the garlicky smoothness of Supreme Serrano, it's the best way to spice up your Austin FC pre-match meals. Teardrop Pepper Company has two unique flavors available, and you can order from their website, teardroppepperco.com, or from their social media pages. Use offer code GOAL, that's G-O-A-L, to save 10% off your order. Put it on everything, they'll make more. All right, we are back with a boatload of listener questions. The first one we're going to answer is actually from one of our Captain Level Patreon members, Sam Mintz. And uh, as we mentioned last week, if you would like to be a member of our Patreon, you can go to MoonTowerSoccer.com, look at the top navigation bar there, or I'm not going to try to guess the URL to get to the Patreon page. (laughs) Go to MoonTowerSoccer.com and then find it on the top navigation bar. Uh, but pictures of the prizes up there. We greatly appreciate everyone who has uh, who has joined and those who have submitted questions as well. Uh, so this first one is from Sam Mintz. He says, top five Austin goals thus far and was kind enough to send us a link of a video of every two, uh, 2021 goal. So watched all 18 minutes of that earlier today, made a list, and then watched the highlights of the games thus far this year and made a little list. I don't know that either of us got to like a proper top five, but I have a short list. Is that kind of what, what you ended up I, with? I think that's fair. And I have, I have a top three, and I did, now that I realized, I didn't actually put them in order, so I'm just going to have like a bundle of three goals um, for mine. I don't know how yours was organized, but... Well, I, I kind of have like a um, loosely 
ordered list here, but what criteria were you using here? Because I think you could go for like overall quality or you could go for just like your favorite ones. Uh, yeah, I, what, what, I, what approach did you take? I mostly went vibes. I mean, two, two of my three are like the, if you found any Austin FC fan on the street and asked them what their favorite, like most memorable goals were, I feel like two of mine would be, would be some of those. And like, I wanted to get creative, but I decided just the straightforward, simple approach was let's let's start with it. your three okay and then i'll tell you if i had any of the same ones in my top few and then can kind of fill in the gaps with my others all right i'll go chronological in, in my top three so in okay. one once the same one the same answer i gave on the when we did the austin anthem podcast this question about your favorite goal came up i think and mine was the diego fagundes first goal ever in denver for so many reasons. I mean, being there, having him run in the corner, having him throw up the LV, it being the first goal in the history of the club, like that is definitely on my list. Is that one of yours or no? I didn't actually put that one on there. Um, partly maybe because it feels so long ago to me at this point. <laughs> that I don't remember what it felt like, uh, but also I was not in Denver at that game. And so I don't have the same... Uh, like the same connections about yeah, it as, that's as you and several others do. Yeah. So my, my other one would be John Gallagher's first goal at home, um, which was a like a meaningful goal too, because it was the first goal at home. And it was also the first goal of maybe our best home performance of the year, right? That was the four, one Portland. Correct. Match. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody was surprised by that one. So, I mean, it was a good goal again, like the, that was one of the loudest times I've ever heard Q2 stadium was after he scored that goal. So that was definitely on my list too. Yeah, that was, I had that one number two on mine. Um, my other one, my number one was actually in that same game and it was Hector's goal in that game just because it was like the, like the amount of sauce on that goal. Hector did that like little, like kind of flicked the ball over a defender in transition, dishes it off. And then like cuts cuts back on Tui Lomo and puts him on his butt and then and then finishes it past the keeper there. Come to think of it, I was I was watching that. I didn't remember that it was Bill Tui Loma that he that he uh whose ankles he broke. Um Tui Loma is who scored that goal in Portland this year to to beat Oh, us. that's so right. I was like that name is very a, familiar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then my third one is the one the one goal from this year, and it was the uh oh, I think it's the third goal. Um, the Driussi Fagundes. The like five, two back heels five, and yeah, five yeah. passes in yeah. the box one. Yeah. Alex Ring one. That was just a beautiful, it was the best team goal I think we've scored in the history of the franchise. That was my other one on my list. Yeah, I have that one on my my short list as well. I'll, I'll give a few just like honorable mention ones here. Um, Diego's, it was the second goal in the first, in, in the home game against Dallas. As far as just like quality goals, I know this one's not as memorable because that game was not uh, a very fun memory. But as a quality goal, Driussi does kind of this little reverse slip pass uh, in as Diego's kind of cutting across the other way. And he does like a really clever uh, little like just like cuts it back and just chips it over the keeper. And that was a really as far as just like sheer quality goes. That one was really I remember nice. that goal. That was a really good goal. Um as far as like a moment that I remember that I really liked was in the second Portland game, Diego scored a header. And I just remember that one so well because it was 
from where I'm sitting, Austin was attacking left to right. And I could see Lima driving with the ball and was kind of like looking the same direction as him. And I could see Diego streaking down the field. And I was like, oh, if he puts it, just like floats it across to that back post, he can hit Diego. And then as soon as I thought it, Lima did it. And so that was just a really cool moment for me personally to, that I like willed that goal into into existence. Um, I mean, McKenzie Gaines is probably going to be on a lot of people's list. And that was on that was on Samuel's list. We didn't mention that, but he 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 did list that as his favorite goal in the in the yeah. Patreon post. Yeah, he made that number one. Um, I this one is maybe a dark horse candidate. Ethan Finley's second goal versus Miami, that rocket to the top corner. As far as sheer quality, that one has to be up there. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, it's one of our best goals from distance for sure. Yeah, so Sam, we didn't quite make a uh, a top five list here, but well, we got to play through some of the hits we, there. We got to talk about some of the goals. Hopefully that worked out. All right, let's run through some of these uh, Twitter questions here. So oh, first wait, one wait. coming. I want to go back to that question. I want to okay. go back back. The worst goal. Do you have do you have like a worst goal? Worst goal. Um I'll just go as, the one the one what, the one what, ring the like the worst goal we scored, the one ring accidentally scored um, this season, I feel like it's probably like... Oh, where he like scuffs it and the keeper fell down and just, and just like yeah, bounced over him? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like the most, the lowest quality goal maybe that we've yeah. scored. If you, if you throw out own goals, I think I'll, I will take that as, as a goal. Yeah. You could say like uh, the, the penalty that Cecilio hit the post and then it bounced off <laughs> the keeper or something. Oh, and it probably... Maybe he didn't even really go in, but he still got credit for it. That one, it went in. Oh, it did but okay. He yeah. just he he did not make it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, I do remember that one too. That was a pretty bad goal. Uh, all right, yeah. Question from Lincoln Rose on Twitter: How do we get Swoon Tower to be a weekly pod and maybe dial back Moon Tower to bi monthly? And then parenthetical: I haven't decided which definition of bi monthly I prefer yet. <laughs> I don't know that we need to answer that one. I appreciate Swoon Tower. <laughs> and I appreciate Lincoln Rose. And I just want to leave it at that. On the This is the one-year anniversary of Lincoln Rose creating his soccer Twitter account, which I guess should have been the day that we figured out that he was going to be the radio announcer. But I wasn't smart enough to put that together. The clues are all there. We had, we had all the answers. Uh, this one comes from Ariaga2, uh, Bricky T. What is this naming convention here, Jeremiah? So, uh, so Ariaga two would be the uh, the thing before the at sign, and Bricky T would be the thing after. So I don't know if this okay. is like formerly Bricky Fett who has changed their I name. Know, the book of Bricky Fett. I think maybe it's the same person. We, yeah. he he usually sends questions in whenever we ask for him. So this would be what should Austin Austin's MLS next team be named? Uh, Austin FC Dose to Austin Two FC, Austin FC Two Electric Boogaloo, the Saplings Moon Tower FC. I'm pretty sure I suggested that one. Um, <laughs> Q2 cuties or other? Do you have a preference from among those? I really like two Austin, two FC. <laughs> two Austin, two FC. <laughs> or, a moon, I, would, I mean, I would take Moon Tower FC. Honestly, <laughs> if we're going for like an off the wall one, Moon Tower FC, which would, would actually be like, like biases aside here, I think <laughs> somewhat, that would actually be pretty cool. Somewhat, yeah. I mean, it's already on the jersey. It would kind of fit. Yeah, I like. So two Austin FCs from the what? Too fast, too furious. I think is that that reference. Yeah, and then, and then 
what's the break into break into yeah. is that the movie yeah yeah i i had never saw either break in or break in two so i can't comment on that but i do think that electric boogaloo is a great <laughs> reference no matter what so to burst uh any bubbles here the harsh reality is that this team is almost certainly going to be called austin fc2 absolutely I was looking Absolutely. through the the teams currently playing, and I believe the only MLS connected teams that are playing that don't have the same name are Real Monarchs, which is RSL's uh, two team, Tacoma Defiance, which is Seattle's two team, and then North Texas SC, which is um, FC Dallas's team. Those teams all play in different cities than the main team. I believe all of the others play in the same city and sometimes at the same stadiums. And so in a case like Austin, if we were like kind of connecting ourselves to an already existing team or they're playing in a different city, I could see them maybe trying to do a sec a separate brand to try to create a brand wherever they're going to play. This team is likely going to be playing at the performance center for a lot of its games. Um, and they're, they don't like, we've talked about this MLS next. They don't really care. Sorry, the MLS next pro. They don't really care about creating a brand for these teams. These are a talent development pipeline, a place to get young players minutes who aren't ready for the first team. So it's, it's almost certainly going to be something boring like Austin FC too. <laughs> Right. Well, and there's so much franchise value right now, the Austin FC name in the city of True. Austin. Like you'd be you'd be dumb as the team to to pass to that up. To compete with and yourself. To compete with yourself when everybody wants a piece of what you are. Yeah, I agree. Um let's go to I think this is an interesting question. Um Audie Silva's question. How should we feel that we're the only MLS team without a player currently playing on a national team? Disrespected, overlooked, or something else? Uh, I don't think we should feel disrespected or overlooked. Going through our roster, I don't know that there's... I mean, there's an obvious choice here. Alex Ring would almost certainly be getting call-ups if he hadn't retired from if, international soccer. If he soccer. wanted them, yeah. Um, yeah, whenever he started playing in the U.S., he was traveling. Like He would get time off from his, his family. I think his wife had just had their first kid. And he was spending all of his free time flying to Europe to play in international friendlies or whatever it was at the time. And so he just quit and was like, I'm just going to hang out in New York with my family instead of being on a plane during all my downtime. Uh, he would, I, I don't, I haven't been paying much attention to the Finland national team, but based on what I know about um, the Finnish player pool right now, Alex Ring would definitely be getting called in. Uh, looking at the rest of the players, there's not a lot of other options. I think Cecilio got some call-ups several years ago, but he had a few down years in uh, in Mexico and Argentina. And then even last year, you could say, was a down year. He wasn't uh, tearing up the league. Maybe he could get back into that conversation for Paraguay this year. Um, and then our other... DP is Driussi. Driussi is amazing, but he happens to be from Argentina, yeah. which is one of the hardest national teams in the world to break into. So I don't see him getting a call up anytime soon, not because he's bad, just because the competition is so high. Yeah. And another place that you see other teams get is, you know, out of the like players that develop out of the academy 
or like younger guys. You know, we got a little bit of that with John Kolmanich. We just don't have like the the history or like the backbone built up yet to really have like those. Like I was thinking of Dallas, right? The Pepe, Cannon, Ferreira kind of guys. Like we don't, you know, we just don't have that yet. Maybe four years from now, the Austin Academy will be putting out players that that will be able to make that kind of connection, but we just don't have that now. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's kind of a weird quirk that we're the only team in the league that doesn't have anybody and we shouldn't read too much into it, but it will be cool when we have people who are getting national team call-ups too. Yeah. If you dig through, it's like, uh, Panama, Costa Rica. Like I think the biggest teams that MLS players got called up to are the U S Mexico, Canada, Poland, um, there's not, we don't have guys getting called into Spain or Germany or so it's, it's, yeah, nobody does. I, it's right? like not so far removed from what our players, like where our players stand. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I think it's like, like more by chance than anything. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, we do oh, have, we did. So Michael Burton has played games with the U17 team. We've had, um, I cannot remember his name right now, but there's a U15 player who got called in the U15 camps as well. So um, maybe like Jeremiah was saying, getting having the, the relationship with the national team set up, those guys do continue to get looks. And in a few years, we do have some guys getting called in. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go to this? Speak, speaking of Alex Ring, do you want to go to this Alex Ring question too? Because I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. It's from uh, Jay Nolan. I'm curious what y'all think about Ring the past couple of matches. Seems like he's been off his game. Not starting Fagundes seemed to relight his fire. Maybe try the same with Ring. Try Danny as more attacking mid and Felipe as a defensive mid. So my my instinct answer here is no. Like, don't do that with Ring. But I'm not sure why. Do you, what, what is your take here? I agree that he's not been great the last couple of matches. I think it's probably, you know, the poorest form we've seen out of him. But also, I just don't see how that kind of move like motivates Alex Ring, other than to make Alex Ring sing super grumpy. Myself, yeah, like, I, I just I, he, he, I don't think he's like the kind of guy that would react in that way. Because I think probably yeah. part of the problem last year was like he would get mad at people for not doing their job. And like he, you know, he would a little like sort of like play down to his, like how angry he was about how things were going. And I feel like benching him would maybe have the same effect. Yeah. And it, Alex ring does not come across to me as the guy who needs motivating. Um, also, I think there's like some politics there with him being the captain. Benching the captain is a different thing than benching any other player. Uh, but also, I think Alex Ring has not been overall bad in these games. I think he's had some prominent moments with like unforced errors in the attacking third that stand out. But I don't think there's been a game where Alex Ring was just overall bad. And he actually I was looking at some stats just to see if like kind of where he sat in the team in certain things. He's actually leading the team in key passes right now with seven. I think Jerusi's behind him with six. Um but also just kind of the the we, we I talked about this a lot now, but just kind of the IQ that he has on the field that him and Drew see share on the field. I think that is still worth having him. And, and I think these sloppy moments are just going to 
kind of be part of the package with playing Alex Ring in a more advanced role. He's not as refined and and silky smooth as as Drewsi is or as some other attacking players are in this league, but he gives you a lot of other things that kind of balance that out. So um, I'm not super worried about Alex Ring right now. If he continues doing that, maybe it's something that that Wolf has to think about. But right now, I think you just look at it as as an anomaly or as part of the package and and kind of take the good with the bad. Yeah, and I think you hit a, a big point there. Like when he's working, you can tell he's working, right? And he's, you know, he's not effortless in the way that Jerusi is, or even like Diego. And a lot of that way, when Diego's doing his best, you know, he's just like it's a little every, more clunky. Every, every, yeah, yeah. Everything Ring does is with intention, and you can like tell from like looking wherever you are that like he's making it move specifically for that reason on purpose, and it's just like not as graceful as some of the other more you know some of the other guys we have in our attack. All right, the next one is from Peter Onyisi. He says, given how rarely they seem to score, does Wolf's system really have a place for a true striker, or is it just down to the specific players? Um, I think it does have a place for a true striker. I think what we've seen with Greg Berhalter in the past, which a lot of what is said about Greg Berhalter is true about Josh Wolf in as far as tactical stuff goes, that... Scoring goals is not the only thing that they want from their striker. There's other things that they are are requisites to be in in the team. Scoring goals is icing on the cake. So I think if you have a true striker who is scoring goals, then that's great. But he also wants a guy who's going to move the way he wants him to, who's going to work, who's going to press the way he wants him to, and do all those other little workman-like things Uh do those things well on top of that. So yeah, I think there is place for a true striker, but also I don't think you have to have a striker scoring 20 goals for the system to work. So when you, when you see this question about true striker, are you thinking like a target striker, like a guy that just, you put the ball in front? Cause that's a different, yeah. I, mean, I think it's up that's to a interpretation. different thing, you know, it's up to interpretation. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say like a, if you're saying a target striker, then I would say no. Like I don't think there is um necessarily for a target striker who is just there to be a big body, which I think is some of the problem we've seen with uh with Gite so far, which we'll we'll get more into Gite here in a second. But um Aruti has been useful. Even though he's not gotten off many shots, he's not scored yet, he's been useful in most of the games he's played in. So um yeah, I, I, as far as like, I, yeah, depending on what you say is a true striker, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to answer that, but there is, there is a place for a guy who <laughs> in any team who will score goals. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But yeah, I guess, so that's what I was wondering. It's like, we, there's definitely a role for a center forward and we could get some more goals from that position. We'd probably be in better shape, but also we've scored. What eleven goals in four games? We're like we're, we're doing okay, even without getting much production out of that position, just because of the way that they're playing it. Right. Um, so we're going to kind of stick with a striker theme through the next few questions. So uh, Hieronymus and Dave Smith both ask questions about Danny Houston. So Hieronymus says, "Should Wolf play Houston against his old team, San Jose?" Uh, 
And then Dave Smith says, when do you think Houston will get his chance? GTA and Ruti have yet to make a substantial difference in the front. I was talking to somebody um, about this the other day that I wouldn't mind seeing Houston be the first off the bench in the next game. Uh, granted, we don't see training. Like, we don't know what's happening in training. We don't know about fitness. We don't know how hard they're working midweek. Uh, but if all things are equal with Jitse and Husin in training, as far as how pleased the coaching staff are with their progress in training, I would like to see Husin get the first off the bench. Um, partly as kind of going back to the the kind of like man management motivation type thing, I think it might be something you a thing you maybe don't do with your captain you do do with a 22 year old striker and say like hey you didn't perform last time uh we're gonna give this other guy a shot and if he doesn't perform maybe you get the next shot but if he does you have to fight your way back into the into consideration here um i think that's the thing strikers you do need to do with those guys so unless gta is just looking like like a star in practice and danny's not I would. I, I kind of want to see Danny get a shot. And on the other side of that, you know, all things being equal, if Danny's putting in the work, like at some point you need to reward him for that. Too. Yeah. Or, yeah, or you're going to lose his, his motivation. First, made his first team against Seattle, right? He was actually on the bench, and he hadn't been for any other game before then. So yes. th- he must be doing something right there. We're projecting here, but um, you could see that as rewarding him for what he's doing in training. So maybe the next step, if he's continuing to work is, is that game time. Yeah. And to, as everybody knows, he's on a lot of money to, uh, you must, at some point you have to give him a shot to sort of prove that he can, you just have to get whatever you can out of him. Uh, next striker question is from Logan Bartlett. And he says, is GTA a viable long-term option at striker in our current system? If not, what do y'all think about GTA plus allocation money for Zardes swap? Um, we'll get into the Zardes thing in a second, but let's answer the first question. Is GTA a viable long-term option at striker? So this kind of goes back to um, to whose question was that about the uh, Peter, Peter Onisi's question about um, what kind of striker fits into the system. I think GTA's biggest weakness so far has been his lack of movement and not making the runs that he should be making, not kind of looking a little bit lost and aimless up top. Um, he's great at hold up play, but if he's not doing that other stuff, he's not helping the rest of the team really. And so that's concerning, but the kid is young. Um, he can learn those things. He can improve those things. He needs to improve his finishing too. He's If he's going to get chances like he got uh, against Seattle, he needs to finish those. So um, I think there's reason for, for concern, but I don't think we should give up on a 22-year-old striker living uh, in a new country for the first time. Oh, I, yeah, I don't think so either. But it's also, I mean, it's, that's, he's the kind of guy that you have this U22 initiative for. Right, I mean, it's, that's why you bring a guy in and give him a shot, and maybe he doesn't fit in right away, and maybe maybe he will learn, and maybe he will he won't. But it's good that we have the flexibility to be able to do that and sort of see what see what we have and see what we're going to get from him. Um, yeah, so let's a lot t- of times strike striker is kind of a a confidence position, right? If maybe he gets a goal and then he goes on a tear and and starts feeling feeling the game a little bit more, but we just got to get it give it, give him time. He's still a young guy. Okay, so speaking of that. 
Tom Halleck. This is Zardes' question that we've teased for like two weeks. Um, would a move for someone like Zardes benefit us? Would it be worth disrupting the chemistry our guys have, especially if they want one-plus starters in return? I mean, I guess we don't know any terms of this deal. So let's just go with maybe... How do you... Because I know you have an opinion. How do you feel about Zardes being part yeah. of the Austin FC? Yeah, let's answer that in a vacuum first. Like, yeah. Would Zardes fit into the Austin FC setup? 100% he would. He would absolutely. He had his best year under Greg Berhalter and Josh Wolf as an assistant coach a few years ago, playing a system pretty similar to what we're doing here. Uh, scored 50-some-odd goals in Columbus. The guy would fit in like fit like a glove. Uh, he's had some injuries, uh, some like down periods, but the guy does all the, those little those little non goal scoring things. He does all of that right and about as well as you could expect from an MLS player. I think there's a lot of people who are fans of the U.S. national team who are not fans of Jossie Zardes playing for the U.S. national team and therefore equate that with him being a bad soccer player. But he's one of the best strikers in MLS. He is absolutely talented. And I think if you can fit Jossie Zardes into this Austin FC team, you do it. Um, But that brings up the next question is, what would it cost for us to get him in the team? And can we even make it happen right now? So what would you be willing to give up to get Jossie Zardes. And it's such a complicated, because it's such a complicated league in terms of, um, you know, in terms of like roster construction stuff. I don't even know, like player wise, what would I be willing to get? Because I feel like this is one of those deals. that's like 1.25 million in gam or whatever. Like what was yeah. the Nagby, what was the Nagby deal? That was the one I can think of. That was probably the most, I think it was just under a million. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, Ariola is kind of like that too, right? It's like a national team player that you just give up gam for, but so I don't yeah, know, Zardes I don't know is a little unload. Zardes is a little older now. He's uh, I think he's 30, 31, and he's on the last year of a contract. So those two things combined, you could maybe get him for a little cheaper. All that being said, I don't know that Austin has enough allocation money to make that happen right now. So I think you would have to either offload someone or add players into this deal. Um, I don't know how Columbus are sitting with... Uh, keepers right now but i think andrew tarbell is one of the most easily movable assets we have on the roster right now he's a guy with uh with starting keeper experience um they columbus does have a clear number one at at keeper so i don't know if like how much value tarbell brings as a as a second keeper but um Chris Bills in his article writing about this, he mentions trading certain players, but it's just like we don't know what all that gets complicated and talking about trading guys who like just came in. Like that's a bad look for front offices. We don't know what MLS would actually even allow in some of these instances. So yeah, I don't know. I so let let's say let's let's stick with the question here. So if we could trade if we had to trade one starter to bring in Jossie Zardes. It's still going to depend on where they play. Um, yeah, I mean, I would give up one starter for Jossie DeSardes. Would yeah, you I'd give think... up a non-Maxi Uruti starter for Jossie DeSardes? A non-Maxi Uruti starter. 
No, because I, no, I wouldn't. Because I, I don't would know that go, I would either. <laughs> look at the other forwards, and I wouldn't necessarily give them because they would all create holes somewhere else. You know, yeah. you know, I would see somebody like Nick Lieber or John Kolmanich in a vacuum. Maybe I would, but then we have no other fullbacks to fill in. It's the the age of John Gallagher. Oh, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> all things run through John Gallagher. I don't know. That's that's. Just, I mean, it's an interesting thought exercise, but I, I mean, I like your first half. This answer, like Jesse Zardes, is a really good player, and he may be the like the guy that's the most disconnected between his MLS productivity and his national team productivity. It's like the, you know what I mean, because like it's the opposite of Walker Zimmerman. Like everybody loves Walker Zimmerman, US MNT center back and Nashville center back, but for some reason, like Zardes is a different guy when he's on the international stage. Well, that's also kind of the thing I was talking about with like what Berhalter and Wolf expect from a striker is that. Jesse Zardes does a lot of stuff that Greg Berhalter really likes. Um, some of those things aren't scoring goals, which is all fans care about most of the time with the striker. And so, like, Greg Berhalter might watch a Jesse Zardes performance with the national team and say, like, yeah, he did pretty good tonight. It's like, what? He didn't score. And he, like, bounced one off of his butt into the, like... <laughs> or he did score and it came off his butt. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I don't, it's it's... I don't know. I would love to have Zardes on this team, but I don't know if it can happen. One thing I, I would be interested in, he is on the last year of his contract, so if they don't make a deal for him and he doesn't want to stay in Columbus, he would fit for, uh, the, the criteria for free agency. So maybe we get him for free at the end of this year. I'd still take a 31-year-old Zardes for probably not much more than what we're paying Danny Hooson right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And Yeah, hopefully... That would be a great use of that some roster money that would be freed up there. Um, okay, so John Schultz had three questions. This is serious, not so serious, and a silly. I don't know which one of these you want to take. Let's go with the serious one. Results are everything. Is less than nine points in five games enough to show Wolf has markedly improved as a coach from last season? I mean, points aside, the team is better than they were last season. Um, how much of that we chalk up to Wolf or the players. That's all the stuff. Like we don't have enough insight into a lot of this to know those answers. Um, but if we're going to give Wolf credit for the team being better, I would say regardless of points, this team is much better than last year. Yeah, I think it's fair. Let's, um, I think we're going to run out of time if we don't get through more of these. Let's pick some other ones. I feel like, Let's talk about the academy because you 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 went to an academy match this weekend. This is from Pedro Berlanga, also Senpai Pedro. Predictions on how our academy will help us in the near future. Any kids that stand out? Yeah. So on a recent episode, I was talking about um, Owen Wolf getting time with the U seventeens, and so I went out on Sunday and got to watch the U seventeens play the Chicago Fire U uh, seventeen team. Owen Wolf was there. Micah Burton was back from national team. Um, national team duty in Argentina, and he was there and playing. And one thing I wanted to watch for is kind of where, like, where did that gap stand between Owen Wolf and the next best players on that team? Um, I think the other guys are are closing it a little bit. Not that Owen's getting worse. I think these other guys are getting better. And so you, because I think partly because of the position Owen plays, he's kind of playing um kind of that box to box midfielder so he's not asked to do flashy things necessarily 
there are moments where it is entirely clear that Owen Wolf is the best athlete on that field and the most pro ready at this moment. But there's some of these younger guys who are really talented and could close that gap uh, whenever they get a little bit older, a little bit stronger, uh, a little bit more used to kind of the adult game. Uh, and so I, yeah, I do think that there are some Academy kids that will get homegrown contracts in the next year or so. Um, so one of the big questions is like, they look good against 17 year olds, but there's just so many unknowns. Like if some of these kids stay the same size as they are right now, they may not be able to cut it in the game. It's like, yeah, okay. You talk about messy and these small guys, but like, if it's not you're playing, common. if you're playing fullback, you need to get a little bit bigger than what you are when you're playing against 17 year olds. You're playing center back. You need to get bigger. And it's like, it's become like, like an unpopular thing to say is like, Oh, like size and strength, or it's become popular to say like size and strength don't matter as much in the, in the, in the modern game, but they still do to it. They help. They help. Yeah. (laughs) They make, they, they enable other things for sure. Like you're an exception if you're playing around it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to overcome that with, with talent to, if you're not big and fast or big enough and fast enough, like you still have to meet a certain threshold there. So there's still a lot of unknowns, but just watching these kids play against other, other quality academies, that Dallas game a few weeks ago, uh, and this Chicago team, I think Chicago's academy has been pretty good for, for the last several years as well. Like these kids are good, man. And I, I cannot wait to see what some of these guys do in the next few years. Let's take let's take a question. I think about the false nine. So we're gonna we were talking about this before. So this Twitter user is get rid of the false nine chicken, and uh, so hopefully we this should, is we not make like a some... troll account. But let's like let's talk about false nine, and then we'll take this question. Yeah. So the false nine Texas is a parody account of the striker Texas uh, writing. How would you describe the content that the false nine is putting out? Very detailed. And stupid analytical content, I think, is yes. probably... I don't, I don't know how you would describe it, but... <laughs> I mean, it's things like... Uh, I, I do appreciate like the analysis of what songs La Merca is playing during goals are scored. Uh, you know, they, they, that kind of thing. I think the question that we think is probably best for them is somebody... Timothy Hood asked us, what is the win-loss ratio for Josh Wolf wearing Verde? Which seems like a very false nine Texas kind of question. I feel like one that they may have already answered, but if not, they should get to. Um but there's also a chicken that predicts soccer matches um, on the site. And I guess somebody's not very happy with their results. Yeah. So this account is called get rid of false nine chicken and says, what do you think of the false nine Texas coverage of the team? And how would you prepare and eat their prediction chicken that has already been wrong twice? <laughs> well, I love it. I think it's a beautiful addition generally the the coverage itself is a beautiful addition to the Austin FC landscape. And we've talked about all the beautiful, weird things about fan culture. And I feel like the development of the false nine is like another one of those things that is just like, you don't get everywhere and it's creative people, you know, with a voice and an opinion on stuff that not a lot of other folks cover. I agree, Jeremiah. I will join you as a conscientious objector and refuse to eat the chicken. We won't, we won't eat the chicken, although we eat a lot of chicken in our house. But yeah, and if if that person is like a troll for the false nine, I'm sure somebody will let us know. Um, <laughs> okay, I got one, I got a food question, 
two, another one here, and that is if you had to give up one of the following types of food for the rest of your life, Mexican food, Italian food includes pizza, or Asian food includes Indian, which one of those would you give up? This one's pretty easy for me. What about you? This is pretty easy for me, too. I'm going Asian. I'm also going Asian. I know a lot of people are probably going to be mad at us for that, but it's not because I don't like Asian food. It's just because I love tacos and pizza too much. Exactly. Well, I wonder why they didn't specially call out tacos as Mexican food, because I feel like that was a signature dish. Maybe that's like obvious, though. I think pizza, you could say like... May or may not be Italian. That's fair. Yeah. Or it's like there's like a, a modern version of pizza that exists outside of that realm. So, yeah, love many types of Asian food, but I can't go without tacos or pizza. I would agree with you with that. And then the last question I want to get to, and you can you can hit some other ones if you want to, is this one from Jonathan Alexander that says, when we win our first MLS championship this year, will we put the stars directly above the crest or directly on the oak like they are ornaments? <laughs> Hanging them like little Christmas ornaments. It would look, yeah, weird, with just, it'd look weird with just one, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, I think so. So maybe we'll just have to win multiples. I think we, I think we put them above the badge until we get to like five, and then we can start decorating the so tree. Like with make them. them a part of the tree. I love that yeah. too. All right, I think we probably have spent as much time as we can on listener questions. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with our interview with Austin FC midfielder Felipe Martins. I think a lot of you. A lot of you probably have your favorite player already. Um, I think some of you might be changing your answer to Felipe after this interview. He's awesome. Uh, The interview is great. Can't wait for you to hear it. We'll be back after a quick break. We are still doing a ticket giveaway thanks to Sage Wilson Property Group for the match on April 10th. To enter, go to MoontowerSoccer.com, then click on free ticket giveaway in the top navigation bar, or click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group. So if you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FVF.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. All right, we are thrilled to be joined today by Austin FC midfielder Felipe Marchins. How how did I do with that pronunciation? Pretty good, pretty good. It's a (laughs) bit of an accent, but uh, I like it, I like it. I, I speak Spanish, I have zero Portuguese in me, but so how, how do you prefer your name to be said? I've heard it Felipe in like in MLS circles. It seems to be Felipe, Felipe. but then I've asked some people who speak Portuguese and they say it's either Felipe or Felipe. So you prefer Felipe? Felipe. I think it's, uh, it's been for a long time. So whatever easier, but, uh, you know, I I go by the first name. I think it's easier. Many don't know that, uh, my second name is Martins. It makes it easier. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, so you, you kind of have a a reputation in the league as being kind of a tough guy throughout your career. So uh, how did that develop? And do you think that's a fair characterization of, of your game? I think it's a, a part of my game, you know, uh, understanding the opponent and what is needed to unbalance them mentally. 
Uh, I've been in this league for a long time. And uh, yeah, you know, throughout your career, in the beginning of career, you need to establish who you want to be about. Uh, and I choose to be someone that's always going to play tough, and no matter what. Uh, I'm not here to be loved by the opponents. I'm here to be feared. So I choose that character and that, uh, you know, I, I go on the field and I try to do the best for my teammates. And doesn't matter if I make others sad upset uh, that's part of me that's part of my game is someone that uh, I choose to be on the field because you know um, it's not about being a nice guy it's about making everything you do to win and that's what I'm going to do every single day and every single match for my teammates and whatever it takes whatever it takes uh, I'm going to do to protect my teammates to protect my team and to help my team win is there a person you model that on like growing up is there somebody that you that you looked up to that you kind of you see yourself playing like that, like that guy? Uh, no, I think it's uh, more, uh, uh, you know, uh, what defines you, what you want to be, uh, what uh, I don't need anybody to motivate me. You know, I know how to motivate myself within myself because, you know, I always understand that to, to motivate yourself and don't need anybody to, to make you ready, you need to have that inside of you. You need to have someone inside of you that pushes you every single day. And that's how a character that I created uh, inside myself to to push me every single day. So it's about uh, me against myself, you know? So and uh, that's how I, I choose to live my and how I go about, you know, my, my soccer life. It's uh, always challenging myself, myself personally. And I don't need anybody else outside of me to push myself, you know, I know exactly what I need to, to, to get ready. I know exactly how to motivate myself and that's helped me along my career. We had a little, uh, like prediction segment on our show a few weeks ago, right before the season started actually. And one of the questions was which Austin FC midfielder will finish the season with the most yellow cards. And I think, I don't remember who I picked, but then after watching you play one preseason game, I was like, I want to change my answer. <laughs> the interesting uh, about that is uh, if you look at my statistics throughout my career, I'm not, I don't have a lot of red cards. I saw so, that. It's like one or two in your entire MLS career. Is that right? But my whole career, I have two red cards. And one, uh, if you go through it, was in New England and was not a red card. And the second one, Josie Altidore called me out on Twitter and then I was suspended afterwards so oh, no. i sh shouldn't 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 count as a red card so everything i do is uh with a purpose is with uh uh you know a psychology behind it and i know my limits and i know how to push and until where to push you know so uh people think that uh, it's not controlled but uh, i'm in, in under con in, in control all the time so that's uh the most important uh, part, you know, who, who knows me know that uh, it's uh, who I am, the way I am, the teams I played, obviously my teammates know how I am, but uh, everything there's a purpose behind. So you have this on field reputation, but it seems like off the field, uh, teammates seem to really like you and respect you. Fans love you everywhere you've gone, even when you played for rival teams, both fan bases seem to love you. And so, and I, looking at kind of some of the new guys who have come into the team, I think there's a few few guys who have like major dad energy. And I mean that as, as a compliment. And I put you in that category. But I think like you and Maxi, like seeing you guys 
grilling together. Like it just looks like your natural element. So where, where would you see your, like, what do you feel like your role is in this locker room as being one of the older guys? Uh, you know, I think uh, all my teammates uh, see me as a leader, someone that, uh, you know, if you is a all time, all time person, you know, like if you go to, to a war, you're going to call me. If you go to a, to get an ice cream, you're going to call me because I know how to adapt <laughs> to all situations and I can deal with that. But I think they see me as a leader, someone that they look up to, you know, someone that push them every single day and always going to have the best interests of my teammates be, be, before me, myself, you know, someone that uh, really cares about uh, the personnel, the the team, the, the, the persons that work around the club, the, the teammates and someone that always going to push the stands very high. You know, I think he, 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 there is a, a certain standards to be part of this organization, to be part of the team. And there's certain students on every day, you know, how you, you react to how you act with your teammates, how you interact with your teammates, how you respect the people that are around the club. And you need to create a culture that everyone that comes in here understands uh, what is being a player for Austin FC represents, not only for the club, but for the community, you know, and uh, I think uh, I can help push uh, those standards even higher and uh, players that come in have a real good picture of uh, what uh, means to be a, a part of uh, this team of this organization because it's much bigger than ourselves it's much bigger than than just be say that you play for Austin FC you represent a city we represent a, uh, a state and we want to to create something that's uh, gonna stay for here for many years you know so we are the start of something much bigger than ourselves and but we want to establish something to to stay for for a long time you know, is uh, players going to change, uh, personnel going to change, anything going to change, but the team going to still here. You know, the fans going to still here. This team going to still for many years. So, if each one of us can bring something that is positive for the future, and is something that can build something stronger than than only uh, want to be part of this team, uh, we're going to do for we're going to do for to help that. Yeah, I think you kind of got into this, but like in the off season, what was it about Austin and sort of this this club and this project that got you excited and made you want to come here and be a part of continuing to build this culture? Uh, you know, um, it's interesting how it happened. You know, because um, uh, initially I came here just to 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 stay fit, to to training, and you know, to uh, and then it became almost a trial. You know that uh, where after a couple of days, they start to say, hey, maybe we could do something here, you know? And first, to be fair, from the first day, I felt incredibly well here, uh, incredible well with the teammates, incredible well uh, with the club. Uh, I think Josh do an amazing job with his coaching staff on putting out the stamp the way we want to play. And I've never seen something that... Uh, in my entire career, in uh, in details, in the way you prepare, the way you want to play, in the way uh, you know every everybody go about it, uh, the way the the staff send you the training, the way they organize everything, and for me it was a it was a shock, uh, you know, with that and uh, together with the the energy that the fans bring every single game in preseason game, the way they interact around the city. 
uh, was very overwhelming for me. And uh, from that point, after a couple of days in here, I said, okay, if there's a chance for me to stay here, I don't want to listen to any other offer. I want to stay here. And, you know, I know that I have big players and important players in front of me, but also I know my quality and I know how much I can bring to this team. And I know when I'm going to be needed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my job and I'm going to help the team succeed because ultimately the most important part is the team. The team is, not in, is no more important than anybody in this team, in this league. And uh, always the team above anybody. So I love being here and I hope I can stay for a long time. And so I know that you you weren't here last year. It seems like the kind of the camaraderie in the group has been really strong. The the team culture seems to be really strong in a way that didn't always seem to be there last year. I know you weren't here last year, but what do the other guys say about the kind of the culture that's being built this year as compared to last year? They 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 comment about it that uh, it's being very different. It's uh it's something very positive. And but we want to push that for even more, you know, because everything that we're doing out of the field is translating to the field. I think there's need to be a compactness and understanding that no matter what, we always go and uh, put a product on the field that represents and we play the way we want to play. We don't only want to win, we want to win on our way, on the way that we, we train and the way that the ideas and the way that the coaching staff want us to play. So we want to really put a stamp on who we are about and prove everybody around the league wrong, you know, because uh, there's this doubt about Austin FC, but I believe after this year going to change because we're really going to put on a, a season that uh, everyone is going to remember forever. Yeah, that's, that's really inspiring. And it's, it's, I mean, we can see it like it's, it's very visible on the field. So I'm glad to, to hear that it feels that way in the locker room as well. Um, so you speak how many languages? Five Is languages. Portuguese, five languages. Spanish, Italian, French, and English. How would you rank them in proficiency? Okay, so Portuguese, my first language. Italian, uh, I think uh, I speak better than English. Uh, then uh, English, uh, Spanish, the same level. And uh, French in the bottle. But uh, as long as I'm able to communicate with... Uh, in all those languages, uh, I'm perfect fine. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I I speak Spanish okay, and then speak English poorly. But it's, <laughs> it's amazing that you have that you say you ranked English as low as you did because your English is fantastic. But um, you lived in I think five different countries at least. Is, is there I, any more? Am I missing? So I lived in obviously in Brazil, in many states in Brazil. Um, I was in uh, Italy for three years. Then Switzerland on the German side and the Italian side. Uh, I was a little bit in Bournemouth for almost two months, but then I chose to go back <laughs> to stay in uh, in Switzerland and uh, Montreal, uh, New York, Vancouver, uh, Washington DC, and now Austin. So is is there a food from one of the places you lived that you miss that like you can't find in the states? No, uh, it's I literally love to to be a uh, to be full on. You know, I'm all in on every single city in every single country I am because <laughs> I embrace the culture. I want to know about them. I want to live like them. 
and to be part of them because that's a, a big thing for me you know when you are somewhere you need to be all in because otherwise you you can't have you've been there 99%. It's either you 100% or you zero. You know, I'm very 8 or 80. So I'm this type of person, you know. So I'm here, so I want to be uh, like everyone. I want to do the things that uh, you're doing here to, to embrace the culture and live like one of you guys because in the end of the day, we are one of you guys. So I think it's important that everyone feels and live because that means... When you go on the field, you also have that feeling of you representing really somebody uh, that is understands, somebody that is, is coming to watch you, and you really want to 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 have that and give back that to the fans also. You know, uh, I think uh, Texas uh, is a great country, is a is a great uh, state. Um, you know, in in this environment, is very close to where I come from because I come from a, a countryside of Brazil. You know. Uh, uh, I'm I'm not from the from the the beach. I'm not from the you know like I I'm from the where the they plant coffee. They have uh, bulls. They have rodeos. I I'm really one of them. You know. So uh, here is I feel like home. I feel like home, and I really understand the the hard work of people. That's beautiful. Like that's. I, I, that kind of resonates with me. That's how I got into soccer was I did a semester in, in Spain and decided like, okay, I don't, I grew up with American football and basketball and it was just like, I know that this is really important here. And so I'm going to get into this and then just like fell in love with it. So yeah. I think it's, it's beautiful to, to kind of immerse yourself in the culture and try to get as much out of it as you can. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk about the competition during the week. Like I think Coach mentioned after the game, after the Seattle game, things got a little chippy. I don't know if you were in the middle of any of those. What they they say dust ups that y'all had during practice, but like, what approach do you take to where you're like battling these guys all week, and then you know, then your brothers, you know, on the weekend, and um, you know, when when the game comes on, like, what is that like? Uh, you know, like when you are on the field, you're fighting for a position, you're fighting for your job. So it doesn't matter if you're teammates. At the moment, we we are against each other. You know, we we know that. But as soon as that he blows the whistle, we fight him. As soon as that is end, it end. You know, we we go to the locker room and we we friends again. We are teammates. You know, so there's this this limit that we know that everything stays on the field. But uh, you know, this competitiveness uh, raises the level of training, raises the level of each player. And it's very healthy for, for the team. Because if you don't fight during the week, we don't gonna fight on the weekend. If you don't are not willing to put your body on the line on the during the week, you're not willing to, to to do the same on the weekend. So everything starts in training. I think the preparation for the game, the most important is during the week, then the day the day of the game, you know, because your preparation should be all all week long. And that's uh, our approach, and that's what we we strive for every single day, you know, that to challenge each other, to challenge others, and always make the, the guys that's on the starting level knowing that you are there. If they don't perform, if they're not there, I'm I'm ready to take their spot. And that's uh, our mentality. So from the outside, we talked about kind of the chemistry, and it seems that they've come together pretty quickly. Which players would you say are kind of the the leaders of the locker room and like which ones – were kind of integral into, into making that happen and continuing that culture? 
there's many leaders and you can lead in many different ways. You know, there's players that can lead by example. There's players that can be more vocal. There's players that can, uh, you know, lead with the young guys and guys that doesn't play uh, a lot. There's many different leaders and that's the beauty about this locker room because we have a lot of players that can lead in different ways, you know, can, and I can, I can could name seven, eight, ten players that are leading different ways, you know. So, and that's the beauty about this group. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, is there any advice you would give to a younger player who's transitioning into a new team? Any tips you would give them to to kind of be the best teammate that they can be and and become a leader like that? I think that my advice is uh, stay shut and work hard. You know, I think the best way us to put it that way you know like don't work more than you talk and uh you know when you are the hardest work on the room ever gonna see it but when you are the most talkative and the most voice usually you know tends to 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 make people upset so i think uh you should work more than you talk and that's uh i think the smallest tip i could do for any young player growing up well, that's great advice. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. This is fantastic. Um, we can't wait for the fans to hear this one and good luck this season. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me and uh, hope to see you guys very soon. I ain't got no time to let you to thank Felipe one more time for joining us. I already really liked the guy. And after this interview, he's, yeah, he's one of my favorites at this point. So thanks again to him. Looking forward to seeing him get some more minutes this year. Before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Tell a friend, tell the people who sit next to you at the games, tell your mom, uh, anybody you think might be interested in the content we're making, let them know about it. We'd appreciate it. If you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter. I'm at LVAHero87. Jeremiah is at jbentley underscore ATX. And then we're on Twitter and Instagram at Soccer. And then sign up for the Patreon. Uh, if you have two extra bucks a month, that's all it takes to join at the lowest level. And then if you want to get one of the, the cool rewards, you can join at a higher level than that. Uh, but yeah, we greatly appreciate that. And then also visit the Striker Texas website. Jeremiah, what can folks look out for this week? Well, I think the we referenced both of these articles during the week, and they're both Chris Bills pieces, but one is uh, Chris's interview with Josh Wolf about the uh, U.S. Open Cup, which came out on March 24th, and then he also did a breakdown of the potential for Austin FC acquiring Jossie Zardes. So we've referenced them, but if you want to get the full details uh, on everything that Chris wrote about it and sort of his opinions on it, I would encourage you to check those out. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, where we will review the San Jose game and then preview Minnesota United and cover any other news that comes up. Until then, I'm Lane Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Muchas gracias. Bye bye.